0: Colossians 2 9. I'm reading in the King James Version. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Ephesians 3 13. In the middle of a prayer of Paul for the Ephesian Christians. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of. I feel like I've got the small end of something bigger than I can talk about tonight or even necessarily comprehend. But my objective tonight is to show by the scriptures that because all the fullness of the Godhead was in Jesus, that we too can be filled with all the fullness of God. You may be seated and speak on the fullness of God. Colossians 2.9, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Him, that is Jesus bodily, reveals the nature of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned, Brother Drury dealt with this passage, that was his text last Wednesday night, I believe, and that the nature of God, that He is one. Jesus Christ was God in flesh. He was the God-man, born of a woman, conceived of the Holy Ghost Second Corinthians 4 and 6 Paul wrote for God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ as Jesus said to Philip when you've seen me you have seen the Father Jesus said and Colossians 1 verse 13 who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. He's the image of the invisible God. If this room was completely dark and I had a single light bulb here, Light would emanate from a single point. And so Jesus was the image. He was the point of light of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him, verse 16, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, We say that Jesus is the Son of God, and that is accurate. There is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. But the Bible does not use the term, the eternal Son, nor does it use the phrase, God, the Son. That is not a biblical phrase. He is the begotten of God, He bears the nature of God. He has a dual nature of deity and humanity. The biblical doctrine is that there is one indivisible God. He has no distinction of personalities. He is one in every sense of the word. And that all the fullness of everything that God is dwelt in Jesus Christ bodily. And we ascribe all the properties of deity to Him, our Creator became our Savior. God Himself came according to 2 Corinthians 5.19 to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. So our Creator is also the indwelling Spirit, the same Spirit of God that breathed upon the face of the waters The same God that breathed out the words, let there be light, breathed His Spirit into us and filled us with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. He regenerates us. He sanctifies us. He empowers us. And we are complete in Him. In our text and throughout the Bible, there's the theme of the fullness of God that he owns everything, controls everything, is the sovereign of the universe. Amen. In the King James Bible, the word fullness usually has one L, which is always tricky. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and all they that dwell therein. Psalm 50 and 12, the Lord said, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Psalm 89, 11, The heavens are thine, the earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. Fullness speaks of completeness. The entirety of everything that is everywhere belongs to God. It was created for Him, by Him. Amen and it is upheld by the word of His power. The earth is the Lord's. He's the creator and the governor and the sustainer of the world. And men might have their kingdoms, but God ultimately owns it all. And He also has the fullness thereof, the the creatures, the Bible said, and the human beings that dwell therein. He's the creator of it all and the owner of it all. If I were teaching a stewardship series, I would say that God is the owner and we are the managers of the good things that He has done for us. There is this idea in the Bible that is is really vast, that the fullness of God in this universal global sense, that everything that is belongs to God. And the fact that God is sovereign, he ultimately owns it all. But because of Satan, his rebellion in heaven, because of sin in the Garden of Eden, Satan is the prince and the power of the air. There are fallen men and women who do not submit themselves to the sovereignty of Almighty God, but they live their lives in rebellion to him. So we live in a world that is fallen, not in submission to God, and in a temporary limited way, you could say that God has allowed there to be a season where all things are not under His feet, are under His control. It is a progressive thing that I want to show you tonight to, make, to get to kind of the, the personal side of this for those of us who are believers. In Isaiah Uh, The prophet saw ahead. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Of the increase. Of his government. And peace. There shall be no end. So we see that when Jesus comes. He establishes his government on the earth. Now I understand ultimately, as I've already said, and the Bible makes clear that God is sovereign over all. But he also was allowed in time for there to be insurrection, there to be rebellion, there to be another agenda and human kingdoms. So now God comes to this earth, robes himself in flesh and establishes a kingdom that will always be increasing. The way to probably see this is what Nebuchadnezzar, that Babylonian king saw. You remember his image. But then he watched these kingdoms representing world empires. Daniel chapter 2. We're not displaying these verses just for the sake of time. Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar, You saw until there was a stone... That was cut out without hands. You learn later it was a small stone. You see this big image. It represents all of man's power. All the governments of the world. You think of the United States of America. And other strong world powers. And those were world powers that ruled the entire world. And here is this little stone. The kingdom of God. And it smites this image in its feet it destroys the image and then this little stone grows until it fills the entire earth and the Bible says Daniel interprets this in Daniel 2.44 in the days of these kings God the God of heaven is going to set up a kingdom during these, the reign of these Gentile kingdoms in the middle of that God is going to set up a kingdom When you think about it in the first coming of Jesus, it looks like an insignificant little stone. But this little stone that Jesus also described His kingdom as a a grain of mustard seed, right, that is planted in the ground, or three measures of yeast that's put in dough, insignificant, small, but it has a way of changing everything forever. So the Lord came to this earth. We would say he came in the back door. It looks like it was insignificant. What in the world did he do? He died an evident failure. All he had was 12 men and they seemed weak and some scattered disciples. But today... That kingdom continues to grow like Daniel's image saw as Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 9 and it is continuing to grow the government of God, the kingdom of God in the earth. Amen. Now, ultimately in the Bible, Philippians tells us about this in chapter 2. That God exalts him and gives him a name. Gives Jesus Christ a name. That is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus. Not yet. But ultimately. Every knee will bow. Of things in heaven. Of things in earth. Of things under the earth. And that every tongue will confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Amen. There is coming a day when this kingdom will rule every other kingdom, and the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Ultimately, yes, but not yet. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty four on the screen. Then cometh the end... Now that sounds like that's the end, right? So we're, the Apostle Paul, this chapter is about the resurrection, and he's going to take us to the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule, and all authority, and all power. So right now, God has allowed mankind and Satan to have a limited realm Of authority and power. But there is coming a day when he will put down all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith, all things are put under him, It is manifest that He is accepted Almighty God, which did put all things under Him. In other words, under the sonship, this this coming to earth, Jesus Christ, Almighty God is not under His feet. Verse 28. And when all things shall be subdued unto Him, then shall the Son also Himself, that role of the sonship, unto Him that put all things under Him, that God may be all in all. In other words, at the very end, there will be no need for a mediatorial role, no need for that role of an intercessor, that God may be all in all. So I want you to understand that in this global sense, that God is sovereign over everything, and that He could at any moment take back everything, but He's allowed human history to unfold. He's allowed Satan to be the prince and power of the air. He's allowed human governments to exist and those world powers that Nebuchadnezzar saw. He's allowed them to have their day and for people to have a choice whether we will serve them or whether we will serve him. So in summary to this point, the kingdom of God in this earth has a mission. That we are taking back territory. All things are not fully under the control of Jesus Christ. He's allowed them to reign. That's why when we pray, we obey the words of Jesus that we pray after this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Amen? We pray like that because we want the kingdom of God to come into our lives And onto this earth, we are praying the coming kingdom into existence. It is God's ultimate will that all things will be under His feet, that all the fullness of everything will come under His dominion. Jesus told a parable in Luke 19 about ten servants, and they were delivered some pounds, ten pounds, and He told them to occupy... Until I come, I want you to trade. I want you to do business. I want you to take my business and expand it, multiply it in the earth. I've invested in you and I want you to grow my kingdom until I come back. That is our work in the earth right now. That we are by our prayer, by our witness, by our lives. We are to advance the kingdom of God because Isaiah said his government would grow. Amen? Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, that little stone representing the kingdom of God, it's going to destroy all those Gentile world powers. It will fill the entire earth and it will be an everlasting kingdom. And by the way, which side do you want to be on in the end? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. In other words, we are in the business of doing what Jesus came to do. And every soul that turns from their sins in repentance is baptized in water in Jesus' name. Every person who receives the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, they have changed sides. They've come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And the kingdom of God has advanced another soul. Amen? And it will go until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. This is the work of God in the earth in the global sense. But there is another facet of this idea of the fullness of God. And that's really what we can control most effectively and the point of my my message tonight. That while God is bringing the world back to the place where He's fully in control, and I know that He ultimately is now, He's also working in us to bring us fully under His control. Under his governance. The text I read from Ephesians is from a prayer by the Apostle Paul. And I want to walk through this prayer somewhat briefly, Ephesians 3:14. Um, it was fascinating. I was in a small group Bible study. There is a, a man there who was a veterinarian. This was back in Mississippi and Jackson. And in our Bible study, he quoted this prayer. So I decided that I would commit this prayer to memory and I sometimes have it and sometimes don't. But it is a great prayer that you should at least become very familiar with. It's Paul's prayer that the Ephesian Christians would be filled with all the fullness of God. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Now that already is a mouthful. He wants us to be strengthened with might by God's Spirit in our inner nature. But this is accomplished by the riches of God's glory. He has the resources to answer Paul's prayer. He can do what Paul is praying would happen, that these Ephesian Christians and we Atlanta West Pentecostal church Christians can be strengthened with might by God's Spirit in our inner man. You know, the children of Ephraim, armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They had arms on the outside, but they didn't have courage on the inside. And they're people who may have a doctrinal affiliation, but they're not strengthened with might by God's Spirit in their inner man. And when trials come, when pressures come, they collapse, they implode, because they do not have the strength of God on the inside of them. So Paul prays for them and he tells them I am praying that God would strengthen your spirit and God has the power to do it He has the resources to do it He has the riches of glory and because He is infinite and eternal and His glory is inexhaustible He can answer this prayer verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Here's how this is going to happen. That Christ dwells in your heart by faith, right? By grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So He dwells in our heart by faith. We're rooted and grounded in love, that we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height i was tempted but decided to not dive into what those four dimensions could mean dimensions of the temple dimensions of the universe the love of god that is beyond comprehension and here's what paul is praying i want you to be able to reach out and see god's love and understand god's nature as far as it goes in every direction that you could comprehend what cannot be comprehended humanly. Amen. And he said I want you to comprehend this. With all saints. This is not like for the special forces. Of the church. That an elite few super spiritual. People. Can really get a hold of this. This is for the typical person. This is for you. That you can comprehend. With all saints. The full dimensions of. Of God's power and God's love. Amen. Verse 19. And to know the love of Christ. Which passeth knowledge. That you might be filled. With all the fullness of God. Now this is the part of this message. That is somewhat mind boggling. Because I don't think Paul is trying to say that you'll be God, you'll know what God knows. But neither does He hold a carrot out there, something that you should chase and never reach. That it is possible for this prayer to come true in our lives, that in the same way that all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Him bodily, that we are complete in Him. And the word complete, and I'll come to this later, means to be filled up to full, To make the difference. What Brother Jury preached and taught and what I'm teaching tonight is it wasn't just about who Jesus was and what Jesus did. It is about who we are and what Jesus can do and is doing in us because of who he is and because of his great power. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. This love of God. This fullness of God is past the wisdom of Jewish scholars, the philosophies of the Greeks that I preached about recently, taught about the fullness of God is something that we cannot comprehend that all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Him bodily. And because God was completely in Christ then Christ can be complete in us. You wonder how can this be? But He gives us Hope in this prayer, and I want to conclude this prayer, but not quite my message. Verse 20, Now unto Him, I'm praying this prayer for you. I want you to be filled with all the fullness of God. And I know this is a really big prayer request. I want you to know the breadth and length and depth and height of Christ. And I want you to be filled with all the fullness of God. And this sounds like a prayer request too big for puny me to get. But then he said, but it is unto him that is able. He's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we are able to ask, all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. It is the same answer that that the Lord gave Mary when she said, How shall these things be? And the answer was the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. There is a work of the Spirit in us that Paul wanted us to know that we have the potential to be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. The end of that prayer, verse 21. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end for that brings me back to Colossians 2, 9 and 10 every theological truth has a practical application to our lives I thank God that we understand the nature of God of who He is we could say that's a revelation an illumination But we also need to have a revelation or an understanding of who we are in Him. Amen? That we're not just minuscule, puny people. We're spirit-filled, spirit-empowered people and all the fullness of God. We can be filled with the fullness of God. For For in Him, verse 9, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily... And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. The reason we can be complete in Christ is because He has power over all principalities, over all authorities, and He can supersede whatever's coming against you, and this can happen in your life. This cornerstone truth of the oneness of God. That God has one people, His body, the church, in the earth. And that we are complete in Him because He, the fullness of God, was complete in Him. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me that I am saying that you are Jesus. That you are perfect. But I am teaching the Bible. And Paul said that it was possible... For us to be filled with all the fullness of God. And he also said in Colossians 2 and 10 that we were complete in him because he is the head, filled up to full, making the difference. On September 3rd, 2017, I preached a message in our church entitled Complete in Christ. When I preached that theme to young people, It was called X equals God. And the point is that whatever the X factor in your life is, it is God that makes up the difference. For example, if 5 plus X equals 10, X equals God. But if you feel like you're a 1 or you're just a 0, whatever you are, the X factor is God, that you are complete in Christ. Maybe some people among us had a head start. They were raised in church and they weren't abused and they were never addicted to any substance and and they just kind of grew up loving God and they might be that, you know, that really good Christian all their life. Maybe they might think or you might think that they're an 8 or a 9, but they're still not complete without Christ. They're only complete in him. But that X factor is God. But you may have come from the worst background in the world. You may have come to God and your life was in pieces. You may have come to God and you didn't know what you were going to do tomorrow. And I just want to tell you that it doesn't matter what you bring to Him. That you are still complete in Christ. He fills us up to full. He makes the difference. For all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Him bodily and because of that I am complete in Him. And Paul would say that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. So I was searching through the scriptures about this idea of fullness. John 1 and 14 And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth that is a scripture of the oneness of god that god became flesh and dwelt among us but verse 16 just skip a verse and of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace John, in the prologue of his book, told us that because of who he was, there's something that has become ours. That we have been partakers. We have received of the fullness of God because of him coming in the flesh to us. Amen. To be filled with all the fullness of God is to be complete in Christ the work of Jesus Christ in us begins with the forgiveness of our sins, to save us from our sins. Call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Salvation is the new birth. It is not maturity. It is the beginning of our walk with God. It is not the culmination. And we don't want to be stuck in a protracted infancy Ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of God We don't want to hang around the church long enough That we should be teaching others And instead we ourselves need to be taught the ABCs The elementary doctrines of the Bible As Hebrews 6 plainly tells us We don't want to be babies in Christ When we should be adults in Christ We don't want our spiritual growth to be stunted, do we? We don't want to have Christ, but not have Him in His fullness and in spiritual maturity. So think about this. If it is is possible to be filled with all the fullness of God, now I'm not talking about salvation, because these passages, Colossians 2 and Ephesians 3, were written to people who were in the body of Christ. Christ was in them, right? They were in Christ. They were new creation. So this is written to to us, to saints. So if it is possible to be filled with all the fullness of God, then it is possible to be saved and have less than the fullness of God. To really never reach maturity and never reach our potential. The fullness of God is connected to the love of God in Ephesians 3. The fullness of God is the same as saying that we're complete in Christ, Colossians chapter 2. So what does it mean to be filled with all the fullness of God? I want to just share some ideas and maybe more to think about more than just to tie a bow and say it's done. It is to receive salvation, the forgiveness of sins, And to deal with condemnation. But beyond forgiveness. I believe that to be filled with all the fullness of God. Is the work of healing in our lives. Jesus in Luke chapter 4.18. Spoke about that his purpose was like the year of Jubilee. That he had come to do more than just merely erase your sins. He said I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. I've come to heal the brokenhearted, And to have the fullness of God. Is to have your broken heart healed. It is to be delivered. From that which holds you captive. He spoke of physical healing. Of recovering of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty. Them that are bruised. I believe that Jesus Christ. Wants to do more. Than erase our sins. And put them behind his back. Or under his blood. He wants to come into our lives and heal the hurts of abuse, to heal us physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. He wants us to be complete in Him, not spiritual cripples all our Christian life. To be filled with the fullness of God is to have our hangups healed, to have our brokenness mended, to have our bitterness dissolved in forgiveness. To have the bruises of abuse healed. It is the full work of God in our lives. That there is nothing in us that He does not have access to. And that He has not healed and changed and made like Him. It is to be filled with the love of God. It is to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. It is for the word of Christ to dwell in us richly in all wisdom. It is to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. It is to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. It is to be like Jesus who said that the prince of this world is coming and he doesn't have anything in me. There's not a square inch of Jesus' life that Satan could have laid claim on because every part of him was surrendered. Amen? Amen? that is to have the fullness of God Amen ultimately to be filled with all the fullness of God would mean in us what it means in the world in other words that he is king of kings and he is lord of lords and that every kingdom is subdued under his feet that's the global sense I can't control all of that but I do have some control over my kingdom over my will over my eternal destiny and I can't deal with my challenges and I can't bring them to Colossians 2 and Ephesians 3 I can bring them to the foot of the cross doesn't mean that I'm instantly complete The same sense that the kingdom of God is progressive and marching forward. I believe that the work of God in my life and in your life, sometimes painfully slow and incremental, but it is always at work. Always wanting to help you. Always wanting to change you. Always wanting to make you and me more like Him. that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Would you please stand? I realize that some of the one-liners, the things that I've just said, I could have backed up with scriptures and taught a long time on, but many of you are familiar with those passages. Most of us are educated far beyond the level of our experience. And we all generally know a lot more than we obey i like what churches say when they talk to brand new people what's your next step but sometimes we get to a place where we don't think we have a next step just kind of maintaining but until the kingdom of God is fully come in my life, until I grow into the stature and the fullness of Christ, until I am filled with all the fullness of God, there's still an altar for me. There's still a work to be done in my life. I know that Jesus Christ was God in flesh. We've established that. But His flesh had to submit to the will of the Spirit. He really died to Himself. And instead of saving Himself, He gave Himself. Now, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Him bodily. But He also surrendered all of Himself to the will of God. So tonight my I guess my passion is to encourage you to take another step. Take another look in the mirror of God's word. Not just to fix you in terms of the things that are wrong, but also to heal you in the things that are broken. Because establishing the kingdom of God is a complete work of the Spirit.